this is Coffee Number Five. I'm your host, Lara Schmoisman. We have here today Emily Martin, and Emily is a jet setting fashionista who writes her blog, The Jet Setting Fashionista. And she's here with her cup of coffee. And we're going to talk today a little bit about this fashion industry and the digital industry and how they work together. And welcome. Welcome to Coffee Number Five. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you. So, Tell me a little bit, how did you start with this jet-setting fashionista? How did you come up with the idea? Tell me a little bit about all your story. We love to hear stories here. Okay. Well, I was working in fashion at the time in New York City, and I was actually working at Bloomingdale's. I spent over 11 years there. It's an amazing brand. Oh, and- tell me that you got a discount. <laughs> Oh, I got way too much of a discount. <laughs> yes, you get, you get a dangerously good discount when you work there. You almost spend more than you should be spending. That's why I say it's dangerous. But um, yeah, so I was actually on a plane to Paris in 2009. I had just graduated business school and I was flying to Paris for a couple of weeks with a boyfriend. And one of my friends, you know, had asked for suggestions. I think where to eat or where to drink in Paris or London. And at this time, I mean, this was before social media. So I sort of had a running list in my email and I would send people the list. And I said to myself, I should just create a blog and put it in one spot and sort of aggregate it. And at the time I did that and I had it private because I didn't want strangers knowing what I was doing, which is the polar opposite of what we all do now. Totally. Yeah. So interesting. So how did you decide to transition it into a blog? Well, I just, I just sort of started from scratch. And I mean, I've been traveling since a very young age. I was fortunate. My grandmother was from Norway. So she moved to the U.S. when she was 16. And ever since I was a kid, my family would go to Norway every couple of years. And we would stop in London along the way. And so I got very familiar with London at a young age. I actually studied abroad there. And then when I decided to create the blog, I sort of started with all these destinations I'd already been and created content that way. Hmm. And okay, so you were mixing destinations and fashion. It, to be honest, I wasn't really writing much about fashion. I was working in fashion and that's where the name came from. The okay, Jet Set. Said, oh, okay. So I got it. Really like what a fashionista is doing during her travels. I um, see. I would say originally the majority of the content was hotels, where to eat, where to drink, and you know, pictures of me traveling. But the first few years, I, I didn't post a lot of pictures of myself. This was before there was like the blogger influencer personalities. And I was like, nobody wants to see pictures of me. They just want to see the destinations and the sites and the restaurants and hotels. I've slowly gotten more comfortable 11 years later, and you will find pictures of me on the blog. It just wasn't really the content I was focusing on when I first launched it. So what is today the jet setting fashionista? Today it is still luxury travel, food and wine. Being in California and being based in San Francisco, it's very, very wine heavy. I have sort of fallen in love with, I always loved wine in my twenties. I had a wine club in New York and my girlfriends would come over and think, they didn't think I was serious that I actually would print stuff out and want to learn. And that has evolved. I've taken a lot of wine certifications. I'm taking a W set class right now. And so oh, I, I have a feeling you and me, we're going to become really good <laughs> friends. You like wine too? I love wine. 
Yeah. So yes. this, well, it's, it's really just sharing stories, interviewing winemakers. I have a lot of top 10 lists. So if you're going to Napa, there's a top 10 wineries, top 10 restaurants. I, I, you know, what I, I love about wine is not only to drink the wine, is the socialization part of the wine, the culture of the wine. Well, exactly. And that's what's so fun about writing about wines from different regions. Like the blog has taken me abroad. I've gone to Italy. I've gone to Portugal. I've gone to France. I've gone to Chile and Argentina all to write about wine. Well, I'm from Argentina. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. And it's, that's what I love about wine. Every wine has a story. It's about storytelling also. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, it's intertwined with the history and the culture, which is amazing. Exactly. Exactly. I, I love that. I love about wine. Well, I, I'm all about storytelling. Everyone knows that. And so today you have your Jet Set in Fashionista. And in the other hand, you have your communication and events. Correct. Business. And you work in both at the same time. And at the same time, you're separating them. Well, I used to I used to have a much more formal separation of church and state, and I kept the brands very separate. They have different emails, different websites, different Instagrams. And then a couple of years ago, one of my mentors sort of advised me. She said, your blog is an asset to your clients. I mean, I have, I don't know, 28,000 followers. I've been doing it 11 years. My SEO is pretty established. So I sort of like started intertwining. And, you know, if I'm at a restaurant that's a client, I'll post on Instagram or I'll post on stories. And I mean, I'm extremely authentic and genuine. Like I don't work with a brand that I'm not proud of and I don't think has a wonderful product. So there's no brand that I wouldn't want to put on my blog that is also a client of mine. I would rather, I, you know. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. What it takes me to another subject that I'm super passionate about and is the SEO mm -hmm. and how uh, it's super important to write for SEO and SEO have their roles. Yes, SEO is a favorite word. I have three summer interns this summer helping me and we are tackling SEO because I think it's it's a never ending opportunity to be found more, to strengthen your content. It's just a win-win for oh. everyone. Oh, I have a whole team of SEO plus the writers and it's a lot of work. And on top of that, you need to add backlinks and find get back backlinks. But as I always say, content is queen. Yeah, I thought you were going to say king. I like that. Yeah, sorry, it's no, content, it's a, content is king. Well, uh, when you're talking with us ladies, content is queen. Well, I, I have another saying, but okay, content is king. <laughs> content is king. But yeah. go, go for it. Well, for sure. And I think what's so exciting, um, you know, you don't have to have a million viewers for SEO to work for you. Like my blog and those top 10 lists I was just mentioning to you is a perfect example. I have a top 10 wineries list for almost every single region in California. Top 10 Paso Robles, top 10 Sonoma, top 10 Anderson Valley. And I track my SEO monthly. So nine out of 10 times, I'm literally on page one if you search those things. And I do not have a million eyes on my blog. So the beauty of SEO is it doesn't, you don't have to have the most traffic to highly rank. You have to have authentic content. You have to be updating it regularly and you have to be lengthy. I mean, I have very long blog posts because I tend to be a little wordy and that I think has helped in the long run for SEO. And it's all about the niche. 
that you don't want to appeal to everyone. You just want to appeal to the right people. Right. So it doesn't matter if you write, write about wine and you get to the wrong people that they don't like wine. You want Correct. to get to the people that they really like the wine and that it's going to create a conversion for your clients at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think just knowing, I mean, there's nothing that makes me happier than when a friend of mine is like, oh, I have a friend that just moved here. I gave him your blog or we're going to wine country. We just pulled everything from your blog. And that makes me so happy because I've put endless hours. I, I mean, I don't even track how much time I, I spend on the blog. It would probably be depressing. Um, I've spent so much time in this that if it provides value for other people and the brands appreciate it, to me, that, that feels so good. You know, it's like the ultimate gift of giving. So let's talk about how you create partnerships and how you started figuring out that you were starting to write blogs because you just enjoyed it. And then how came out to you that, okay, I can create partnerships and this could be a business. What happened there? <laughs> well, it was, it was sort of by accident. Um, I was working in retail in San Francisco. I did that about two years. And every weekend, every chance I got, I was heading to wine country and getting to know winemakers and getting to know the tourism people. And after about a year and a half, I said to myself, you know, I miss, I miss event planning. Like in New York, I did event planning for 10 plus years with the New York Junior League. And I also did events when I was at Louis Vuitton, like regional trainings. So I decided to leave retail and start my own business. And one of my first clients was a winery in Napa Valley. And one of the ideas I had to get them more exposure, I mean, this was in 2012, was let's give bloggers wine, have them write about it, have them put a blog post together, give us the photos and put it on social media. And it wasn't exactly rocket science, but we did that. And it was amazing because when at the end of the year, when we reviewed Google Analytics to see what were like the top traffic sources, some of these bloggers were, you know, in the top 10 to top 15 referral sources, which is amazing. And all it cost was two or $300 worth of wine to get their viewers to the brand's website. Yeah, that's incredible. And so, so, yeah, I mean, that was, that was in 2014, and it's yeah. continued to evolve. I mean, if you check my website, I, I, I work with a lot of Napa and Sonoma wineries, and during COVID, it's been a perfect example. You know, normally I, was, I would be doing in-person events once a month, bringing eight to 12 bloggers to different wineries, and weekends in Healdsburg, and, you know, um, that type of thing. And I sort of parlayed the content to virtual tastings on Instagram live. And I share that content on my YouTube, on my blog and on my IGTV. That was my next question. How did you transition to, through COVID? Did you create partnerships? Are you working with influencers? What did you do in this new stage that everyone is looking new ways of create content? Yeah. I mean, in terms of how I'm working with brands and influencers, I would say everything has gone virtual. So instead of the in-person events, I'm working with them virtually. So for example, one of my clients, Gary Farrell Winery, they are hosting this fabulous Sunday supper series. Mm -hmm. So a consumer buys the wine, they get all these beautiful recipes sent to them and beautiful cardstock instructions for how to make dinner. They make the dinner and then they all join, let's say 5 p.m. Pacific, with eight other people that bought the wine and an on-site sommelier from the winery. So mm -hmm. I did this with them and I invited a bunch of media and bloggers and they all experienced it. The media will hopefully write about it in their um, perspective or, uh, 
individual channels, and then the bloggers share on social media and on the blog. So it's just a great way to get your product in front of consumers that might not know who you are, and also you know targeting specific bloggers that maybe are lifestyle, or maybe they're fashion, or they're luxury travel, or they're someone like me that writes about travel, food, and wine. I mean, what brand doesn't want someone that you know is a luxury consumer to learn of about course. their product? Absolutely. And something we were talking a little bit earlier is like how this digital new world have changed these luxury markets, um, mostly in the fashion industry. The fashion industry was a very slow industry before the digital world. We have a season and then the season was presented. They had a presentation for the fashion magazines. They will create um fashion sessions that they will take the pictures they will have dates that they will have exposure the magazines of this new season and they will go out and then the people will see what they like and what they don't like and they will create buy the, the new season and then um the new one and all that now after the digital media is started people will go with their phones to the uh, the fashion week they will take pictures and it's out immediately people will decide if they like it or not so the, the seasons were much faster people the brands had to order much faster yeah yeah i mean i i worked in that exact industry you're talking about for a decade and yeah i mean you know you'd go to market you'd see the fashion show you'd go home your orders would be due in three days and it was it was very systematic um i would say since all the changes have happened that you were talking about, you know, maybe the last, I don't know, six to eight years, I haven't worked in fashion. So I'm sort of out of the loop on that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it's like spoiler alert. You don't have to wait for the magazines to write about what's on the runway because everyone just posts it to Instagram or TikTok or whatever their platform of choice is. Exactly. But also it changed a lot for the, uh, for the brands because before, they will present the brand to the buyers and the buyers got a time to buy and to choose how much they wanted and now everyone gets it and the in the fashion industry and everything goes much faster and they need to go and um, buy quantities without yeah. the expectation of how much they're gonna want yeah I mean I, I think it's a whole nother beast and I'm not I don't even I'm so removed from it because I've been out of the fashion industry for six years now do you feel like somehow uh, these uh, moving really fast in the digital world have changed the industry of the wine, of the luxury too? The other industries that um, you work in? Well, I think currently COVID has changed the impact of the wine industry a lot. So I was just talking to a high-end Napa winery yesterday and they were telling me, even during COVID when people come and visit, you know, for outside tastings, um, in the olden days, a newcomer, let's say you'd never been to the winery, you'd come, you'd fall in love, you'd buy three or four of the $150 to $200 wines, a couple of the $50 Sauvignon Blancs, and you'd spend $1,000. Mm -hmm. That was the norm. Nowadays, they're buying one of the $150 one, and everything else is, you know, that $50 price point, and they end up spending $300. So I think um, COVID has definitely, you know, it's like, this is... In, a financial disaster in terms of the economy. So people are not spending the thousand dollars they might've normally spent. Um, maybe now it's, you know, a third of that. Um, I think obviously the super, super wealthy are not impacted. So they're not, they're still spending, 
but the majority of customers out there, I mean, there's only, you know, 1% of the brands that are selling 500 to $1,000 wines, let's say. So their customers are still probably purchasing, but the, the average brands. But what about experience? Uh, it's not the same experience to have a wine tasting or a wine experience or talk about the wine online that go into a winery and be able to taste the wine. Do you think that somehow there you're losing the impact of, in the experience or that you can come well, across? Think, yes, a little, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I was just in Sonoma Friday, Thursday and Friday, and I did two outdoor wine tastings and I had not been to a winery for a formalized tasting like that in months. And I missed it so much. I've been doing virtual tastings twice a week. And yes, is it amazing sitting there at my dining room table with four beautiful wines and the winemaker looking at me across the screen on Instagram live with 200 people watching? It's amazing. It's, 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 I feel really lucky to do that. But is it the same as sitting with them in the vineyard and doing it? No, but I think I think we all are just craving human interaction that I think the wineries have done a really great job pivoting. Well, the wineries that have pivoted have done a great job. The ones that have sort of sat back and don't know what to do, I think they're going to have to play catch up. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, no, it's not the same, but it's better than nothing. Yeah. So what's next for you? How are you going to pivot? Well, it's funny. I have been thinking about launching a podcast um, because I have all this video content from my Instagram Yay. lives. So I was thinking, hey, why don't I just put those 30 to 60 minute interviews with winemakers on a podcast? But People I don't know. Hear this. We're the first ones to know <laughs> that Emily Martin might have a podcast. I actually did talk about it with Emily Merrill, our mutual friend of Six Degrees Society who connected us. So of course, Emily Merrill is always like, my competition. She's my everything. business coach, so she knows everything. Um, I'm thinking about it. I mean, I have a lot on my plate with the W set test and, you know, business is well, tough. Like we gotta, we gotta work on the business. I love podcasts. So can I ask you how, how to successfully monetize a podcast? We can talk about that offline. <laughs> because I think, you know, as bloggers, so much of what we do is unpaid and that's just the nature of the beast and me being able to trans translate my blog into my Emily Martin communications and events and actually make money off of it is was mind blowing. Cause there's so much for years. I just did the blog for free. Um, so I think if I, if I have a model and I can make the podcast, make some money, not just take some time, then I would do it. Well, all these things that we're talking about is something that we are actually putting as part of the online training that I was talking to you about. Um, yes, when is that online training? I want to sign it, up. It's, it's coming up. It's coming up. We're going to put notes for people to get in the waiting uh, list. Um, but we'll talk more about all this later on because everyone who knows me know that every business is unique and every business needs their own ecosystem. So we need to talk about yours. Like... Okay. What else do you want to know? So let's say bye for now and we'll meet next time. Maybe I'll be a guest trying wine at your podcast. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yes, let's do that. Thank you okay. so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It was so good to have you here today. See you next time. Catch you on the flip side. Ciao, ciao.